It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz from the Adam Ritz Show, and we are on campus today in San Diego at the AFLV National Conference, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. We are here to honor the uh, students of the West Coast of uh, the United States of America for their philanthropy, their service projects, all the hard work they do in their uh, campus towns and across the country to help raise awareness and funding for their charities of choice. And we're going to honor two students here with us right now. We have Wesley with us. Hi, Wesley. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? Wonderful. And what is your campus? I go to Arizona State University. Arizona State University. And you are representing what uh, chapter? Delta Zeta. Delta Zeta. All right. And uh, brag a little bit about your last service project. Uh, We held a service project in February over Valentine's Day weekend. It's our national um, philanthropy, and it's Delta Zeta Duke Out. We hold it every year um, on our campus, and we've won awards for the past two years as the most funded for our campus. We raised $31,000 for Delta Zeta Foundation, Speech and Hearing, um, and the Painted Turtle Camp in California. $31,000. That is awesome. Unbelievable. And it's a duke it out. I'm going to assume it's a, like a boxing match, or what is it? Actually, it's a for a full week, we do penny awards with all fraternities and other organizations that want to contribute on campus. That Friday, we do a pancake dinner. And then the following Saturday, all the fraternities participate in a tug-of-war and a football tournament. Tug-of-war, football. You had me at pancakes, so I'll be honest with you. All right, Wesley, thank you so much. And let's bring in Nate now. Uh, hi, Nate. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Adam. What is your campus? Uh, the University of Idaho. University of Idaho. Okay. And what is your chapter? I'm a beta, beta, theta, pi. Beta, theta, pi. And brag a little about, about your last uh, community service project. Well, the one I'd like to highlight for you is one that we did uh, as our IFC and our Panhellenic. And we call it the Office Invader. And what the Office Invader was, we had uh, one of the big blow-up uh, kind of stick figures. And you pay to put it in like a professor's office or someone else's office. Uh, and then they have to pay to either get it out or they can send it to someone else. You're talking about the thing that blows up. It's like Carlotts use it to grab attention and cause wrecks when you're driving down the highway. You used it to put in professors' offices. They had to pay to get it out of the office. Exactly. And how much money was raised? You know, it's uh, we're actually going through right now. So I okay. can't give you a total, but it started uh, this last Monday. And the uh, charity it benefits? is? Uh, Make-A-Wish Idaho. And, uh, yeah, Make-A-Wish Idaho. So we're benefiting a local uh, kid. His name's Chase. Excellent. So prayers for Chase and the Make-A-Wish Foundation in Idaho. Nate, we can't thank you enough. Wesley, also thanks for coming on the show. Everybody here in San Diego at the AFLV conference, give yourselves one last round of applause. Thank you so much for hosting the Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. And we welcome you to the Adam Ritz Show on Twitter. Join us at Adam Ritz. And joining us now, live and in person, is head coach of Georgia football, Mark Richt. Hi, coach. How are you? I'm doing good, Adam. How are you today? I'm, I'm great, and I'm honored to be here with you on the campus of uh, the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. Your team, you, you mentioned you've been here over uh, about a decade and a half. Oh, I mean, yeah. that longevity, that's... Uh, something in college football 
it's rare. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many have uh, been at their school as long as I have, but it's been a blessing and uh, going into year 15, actually. That's fantastic. Best of luck uh, as you move forward as head coach of Georgia Bulldog football. But we like to talk to head football coaches about off the field issues uh, in the world of social awareness, character and integrity. A lot of high school kids ask me, how do I go play college football? And it's not always about how strong you are, how fast you are. It's about your character off the field, right. too. Well, we always have to start with the video. I mean, watching the talent base of this kid. Can he play the position we want him to play? And can he play it uh, well enough for us to win the SEC? So we start with talent. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But then the very next thing we do is find out what kind of grades does he have? Can he qualify? Can he handle the academic rigors of college? And then if he can do that, then we're going to find out what kind of guy is this. Is he is he a good teammate? Is he a team leader? Is he an issue uh, in a negative way in the classroom or the weight room or, or off the field? Whatever it may be, uh, we're going to find out what kind of a person he is. And if he passes all three of those tests, then, then we'll offer him a scholarship. And then he gets on campus. He gets a big G on his chest. Um, I've seen you speak with your guys and, and your importance uh, laid on the topic of community, community service, getting involved with your community. What are some of the, guy, uh, what are some of the things that you do with your guys uh, in the community? Well, we've got a lot of things that we do. One event we do is called Battling uh, Bulldogs Battling Breast Cancer. It's a golf tournament our guys go to to raise money for uh, local women uh, in Athens to help pay for costs for mammograms and things of that nature. Uh, we do some, we work with a group called ESP, which is Extra Special People, uh, kids uh, that have learning issues or maybe Down syndrome or that kind of thing. Uh, there's an, also another thing that we do. Uh, that's uh, have to do with kids that have uh, that have cancer. Uh, Camp Sunshine. Uh, we go to those uh, events just to kind of bless them. And uh, there's all things we do all throughout the year. But those are some of our summer projects. Camp Sunshine. I'm sure we can look that up online and Google Camp Sunshine. And those uh, kids with cancer, uh, they're having a pretty rough go at it. And I'm sure it's a, a break from reality to see a, a giant guy come right. in six foot five with a 20 inch neck with a G on his chest and they just light up. Well, I'll tell you what happens is a lot of our guys have never had a camp experience. And what Camp Sunshine, they go to summer camp. And there's like a little mini hospital there to help the kids through whatever issues they have. But then they're going to play, you know, football, softball, swimming. You know, they'll do all kind of fun camp activities, uh, anything they're capable of. Some are capable of more things than others. But then our guys get into that camp scene and a lot of them never been to camp they're they're like having more fun than the, than the camp sunshine kids are so it just allows our players to be kids too and it's it's fun to watch them hang out together coach mark richt at the university of georgia is our guest last question we'll get you out of here i know you're a busy man uh when you look back over the last 15 years of coaching here at georgia now i know you're going to think of about 10,000 guys to say but pick one guy uh nfl or not that uh, in my world of character and integrity, community service that really went uh, not only out of his way here in Athens, but in his professional life now that he's 30 or 35 years old. What, who is that right. guy? Well, right off the top of my head, I'd have to say Thomas Davis. Uh, Thomas was just named uh, the uh, NFL Man of the Year, the Walter Payton NFL Man okay. of the Year. It has to do with those very things that you mentioned, the community service things that he does uh, in his back in his hometown and, and in the city of Charlotte where him and his wife are involved, are in, are involved in so many things. 
and he's also very much he very much cares about coaches and their wives and their and athletes and their wives and their marriages and uh, he's involved in I forgot the initiative but they're heavily involved in uh, trying to bless marriages as well that's fantastic the sanctimony of marriage that's one sort of foundation or issue that you don't really hear a lot of guys talking about that I'm gonna look him up and try to get him on the show Uh, coach Mark Rick always a pleasure thanks for coming on and have a great season all right Adam thank you Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker interviewing amazing people from coast to coast follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on the Adam Ritz show Adam Ritz Show, continuing on with a great guest, a comedian, an improviser, um, a magician. He is Cody Dove. Hi, Cody. How are you? Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. And uh, we were talking off mic. You've got a a career in radio in your back pocket. You're maybe one of the most interesting persons I've ever met. You also... have done stuff with a rodeo. I have, yeah. You know, a performing background, guys go different ways. Whether they discover it when they're in high school with the drama club or whether they, uh, in college, are like, oh, I should try that. I've always wanted to be on stage. I, as a kid, when I was eight, nine years old, I would be involved in rodeo clown acts, so I didn't really have a choice <laughs> of my career path. And when your dad's a rodeo announcer, you can't say, uh, your dad can't d- turn to you and be like, well, you can't go into the entertainment business. When he's a rodeo announcer, he doesn't, really doesn't have a lot of credit to be like, you have to be a doctor now. Well, so. at least he wasn't <laughs> the, one of the rodeo clowns. So that's it's true. A, yeah. a legit part of the rodeo. He was the announcer. That's right, yeah, and which ties into my love for radio, your love for radio. And uh, I was involved in a small radio market in New Mexico, and then that grew into wanting to do a little bit of television. But all along, uh, being a comedy magic performer and an improviser, that kind of was the guiding force or the fuel for everything. So. And you work with Second City. Yeah, the Second City. I've worked with uh, CBS and UPN affiliates over my career, too, and uh, some different radio markets around the country as well. So. Well, this radio show, uh, we could talk for hours about comedy and you know, your radio background, but we like to cover social awareness topics. Uh, it's a public affairs radio show uh, working with children. I have to believe that as a magician, uh, you've worked at hospitals, whether it be a children's hospital or, um, um, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, old folks' home, uh, veterans' hospitals. Um, tell me about some of those experiences. Well, you mentioned the veterans' hospitals. That's something that's near and dear to my heart. My dad's a Vietnam veteran, so that's what got me interested initially because then I decided... Uh, my dad being a veteran of, uh, of uh, Vietnam, I thought, oh, these are the guys that I've always kind of appreciated. And oftentimes society, for whatever reasons, with the, whether it's the news cycle, just the way it functions, a lot of times these guys are, are if not forgotten, they don't get the respect that they necessarily deserve. Necessarily deserve. So working with uh, these hospitals, it's fun to go in and just interact. And as you know from talking to other people in the charitable fields, just time one-on-one with somebody is the most important thing. Just to be like, oh, I'm here. Now my... Uh, my entry into meeting you or talking to you today in your rehabilitation process or whatever it is may be that I'm a magician and I can show you how to even rehabilitate through your own hands or motor skills through a deck of cards or coins. That's a popular thing now where magicians will go in, do a little performing to get the um, the patient comfortable with what's happening, and then actually you can help them gain dexterity in their hands with working with just simple card tricks. We don't expect them to be able to you know, do crazy flourishes or produce uh, uh, 40 coins from their hands, but just the very basics that we learn early on in a career as a performer, it's it's super helpful for them just to regain what they once had as far as that what they're going through. Is 
That's amazing. I never thought. I thought you'd just go in, do some tricks, and leave. You're yeah. actually, you're a doctor almost. You're a doctor magician. Yeah. D- d- please don't saw your nurse in half. <laughs> That's true. But here's yeah. a deck of cards. Try these tricks. That's a great idea. You know, we've heard in the medical profession, too, guys that go in and use comedy as the main thing that they're doing. Make them laugh and then help them uh, understand their course of treatment or whatever they're going through. Magic, it's the same way. Like, let me show you a little something that I can do with these, uh, these apparatus or these items that I brought with me. And often it's stuff these guys are going to have at home or maybe even available in the hospital and then from there let me show you how with these basic moves not only are you it's kind of it's a fun way of medicine because as they're learning to do a trick they almost forget that they're learning to reuse the things that they had before a a traumatic brain injury or some kind of spinal cord injury or whatever it is that got them in the situation where they have to rehabilitate while they're learning this thing to show their buddy in the hospital bed next door or visiting family members they don't realize that oh I'm gaining use of my hands in not only in new ways, but I'm regaining the things that I had. And a nice side benefit is it makes them more socially interactive as well. If there's a lot of times with, for example, veterans, but not only veterans with small children as well, having an injury makes you so much more self-aware just by the nature of what's happened to you. So when you're socially interactive with people, not only are you showing them this kind of skill or this fun hobby that you're learning, but another fun byproduct is, oh, I'm reconnecting with people. So it's incredible. It's super rewarding. Cody Dove is our guest, magician, uh, comedian, um, son of a rodeo announcer. I mean, you're, you're, the feathers in your hat are, are many. Um, and when you leave a, a hospital, uh, it's human nature to want to show the person that taught you how to do something that you can do it. So you show a, a, either a child or a veteran uh, how to do a trick. Maybe, like you said, their hands aren't working. It's a, it's a rehab sort of thing to get the dexterity back, like you, like you mentioned. Um, two, you're there for two hours. Yeah. The first person you show the trick to by the time you're leaving do they grab you and say wait 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 don't leave yet let me show you that i i learned how to do it and Uh the the pride in their face the smile on their face the look in their eye i mean how's that make you feel it's the most rewarding thing in the world and it it truly does happen before they go it's either can you show me one more thing that you hooked them then you know you've hooked them and you've really made a difference or they'll say is this how i'm doing it and then just showing them a little bit of adjustment it, it gets them uh fully engaged in that kind of process it kind of opens them out of their shell and out of whatever trauma they've had to experience but yeah it's the most rewarding thing in the world because there's a magician's code where don't share your secrets it takes away from the magic but in this case you form a bond instantly when you say i know magicians aren't supposed to tell anybody anything but let me show you a couple things that are fun that you can show other people so you have this instant connection and when you leave and you show them hey uh Nurse, come here for a second. You show them interacting with people in a new way that they don't even realize that they're regaining these things they once lost. It's it's the most rewarding thing in the world. I, I would do it all day, you know, if they had let me. The hospital's like, we have set hours of what you can do, but it is, it's a great experience. Yeah. Well, we uh, congratulate you for your work uh, with hospitals and children and vets. Uh, it's fantastic. You're making this planet a better place. Cody Dove is our guest. And uh, before I let you go, just have some fun now. Uh, you're f- and I don't know the terminology, and I don't want to offend you no, as a no, magician. Yeah. Um, but if I asked you what your favorite trick was, can I call it a trick? Sure, I don't know course. if it's, yeah. you know, this is your livelihood. I don't want to sure. demean what you do. <laughs> To me, it's a trick. What is it to you? Well, you know, the guys in the business, I'm a comedy magician, so we have a tendency to be like, well, whatever, you know, we just want to have fun. (laughs) There's guys that take it very serious, and they should, because it really is an art. It really is. What is your favorite artistic uh, endeavor, effect? Um, I I have an effect where... That you do. That that you do. do. Sure. That I have have, uh, a red silk or a handkerchief. I stuff it into my hand, and then there's an egg there. Now, what's fun about it, and it kind of ties into teaching people magic in whatever venue 
as I show them how it's done. It's a fake egg. So I take the scarf out and show them how it's just stuffed into this hollowed out fake egg. But then I go, wait, if you really believe in magic like I do, let me show you something weird. I stuff it back in the egg. Then I show them where it's entered the egg. And it looks like a little red hole where the silk has gone in there. I peel that off of the egg like it's a sticker, that little red dot. Stick it on my nose. Then I take the egg, crack it into a glass, and I say, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming. You're messing with people's minds, That's man. That's the best part. You take them down one path, you're like, this is the way it goes. Then at the end, you're like, it's somewhere completely different. Well, let's uh, get your digital properties. Our listeners want to know how they can look you up on Twitter or Facebook or a website, possibly. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It's at Cody Dove at Twitter, and it's CodyDove.com is my website. that has my tour schedule and information about some of the projects I'm involved in. Performing uh, at the Illusionarium. That's where I saw you. Great show. You're fantastic improv, comedy, magic. You do it all. Cody Dove, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are joined now by David Thornton. I'm going to categorize this as um, a story of inspiration. And uh, I, I think there's a whole lot of levels to your story, but I'm going to categorize it as inspiration. We welcome David Thornton to the show. Hi, David. I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me, Adam. Thank you. And um, you're a 10-year veteran of the uh, National Football League. You played with the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts linebacker. And the part of your story that just floors me is when you hear about a guy that's played 10 years in the NFL, um, you have this image in your head of a guy that just probably just strolled through college, (laughs) strolled through college football with your eyes closed on – uh, medium speed and still could kill anybody because you are so elite that you made it to the National Football League and played 10 years when most average careers are three years. So that's not really the case here with your college career, was it? Not at all. You know, a lot of people, when you think of a guy who's played in the National Football League for such a long time, you would assume he was probably the superstar athlete in high school, you know, um, full scholarship, superstar athlete in college, maybe a first, second round pick and play for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, my story isn't the typical route, but I appreciate the route I had to go to um, to reach the, the, the level, I guess, of, of playing the game in a high level. I appreciate the route I had to take. So out of high school, uh, first of all, when did you start playing football? Well, I played and when I was younger, just younger, following my okay. brothers. I didn't really have a passion for football. That didn't develop until later. But um, I played sports because my older brothers played sports, and I um, just kind of just had fun with it, but never really, you know, fell in love with it until college. And uh, in high school, I was well-versed in a lot of different things. I-, I loved the band. I was actually a drum major in the marching band. Hmm. I played basketball. I was a point guard on the basketball team. I was quarterback in safety in football. Didn't really like it too heavily. And I, I was a pitcher in baseball. So I did a lot of things. Yeah. You know, did nothing really extremely well, but just good enough to kind of start and, and just have a really good high school experience. So then, uh, again, I'm going to assume with the rest of America that if you played 10 years in the NFL, you had colleges screaming for you to play college football. No. How was your recruiting going from high school to college? Absolutely no one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was 170 pounds. And I was a pretty good athlete, but I was nothing exceptional, nothing that was screaming, recruit me, recruit me. And so I was okay with that. My heart and my passion was was for the Tar Heels. I wanted to go to UNC, just get me on the campus. You know, I saw him on TV, and I was a Tar Heel fan, still am to this day. And um, that was a school I had set my affection on, and I wanted to be a student there. So I, pl- I did very well academically, 
and I worked hard and I applied and I was fortunate enough to get in. So at North Carolina, the Tar Heels, and you're telling me really there wasn't one college that said come play, even be a drum major, nothing? No schools the, at all, zero. D3, NAIA, nothing? I, I wasn't even in a, an invited walk-on. At some schools, they invite certain players that they see that have a chance. Uh-huh. They'll invite you to walk onto the team. You know, I wasn't even that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So now you, uh, you're at North Carolina, and I, I can assume that you walked on the football team. Well, yeah, I first tried out for basketball. A lot of people don't know that. I tried out, you know, for the UNC basketball team. At that time, they had Vince Carter, Antoine <laughs> Jameson, Ed Co- I, If you If you grew up and you're a Tar Heel fan, you got to at least try out for the team. And that quickly didn't work. I knew I wasn't going to play Tar Heel basketball. Yeah. That team was okay. too loaded. And then in the spring semester is when I tried football. And I went through the intense workout. And I just persevered through it, and that's when I was fortunate enough to make the team as a walk-on. Okay, so then, uh, again, with that 10-year NFL uh, resume, I'm going to assume that your sophomore year at North Carolina, you earned a scholarship. No, not at all. (laughs) Sophomore year, year, I'm just plugging away. You know, the thing about, you know, what happened, you know, my freshman year, you know, um, I really – Met some people that would help that was helping me out, you know, adjust to the college lifestyle. You know, early on I was struggling, but I, I got a mentor in my life, and he really helped develop me in a lot of ways. He helped me develop in my faith, helped me develop as as a college football player. You know, in the weight room, taking care of my body. And so, even though I was just a walk on, not playing in the games, I was finding a sense of peace and fulfillment from just working hard in the weight room and practicing. So um, even though I wasn't playing, not my sophomore year, not my junior year, not even my senior year, I was just serving, serving the team, found a way to you know make a difference and just work hard and practice. So it, it was four years I was on the Carolina roster and not even playing ball. You're kidding me. Not <laughs> even playing? Not even. No scholarship. No You're scholarship. not playing a senior, a four-year walk-on at North Carolina. At the University of North Carolina, yes, four-year walk-on. And it, and it wasn't that I was, you know, not a good player. Or not a, you know, I, had, I had improved. I gotten bigger, faster, stronger, all those things. But just the way it's designed sometimes, typically schools give scholarship athletes the opportunities first. So I was okay with that. And like I said, you know, I fell in love with not only working out in the weight room and, and practicing hard, I fell in love with the guys on the team, the camaraderie, mm-hmm. the relationships I was building. So even though I wasn't, you know, playing on Saturdays, I still was getting fulfillment and peace just from um, the relationships and serving in the weight room and serving in the practice field. Well, David Thornton is our guest, football player from the University of North Carolina. After four years of walking on and not playing, then there was a, there was a fifth year, like a redshirt year that you could play your fifth year. That's obviously the year you played and you showed the NFL what you had. <laughs> yeah, that fifth year, we actually had a, a coaching change. You know, I like to view that season of my life where – it was a pretty divine intervention going on. We had a new lead, change in leadership, and uh, he came in, and he, won, he declared that he was going to play the best 11 players, no matter who they were, on both sides of the ball. And um, for me, it was you know, a great opportunity. His name was John Bunny, and um, I knew if he really meant that, you know, I would have a chance to really go out there and showcase what I could do. And so after spring ball, you know, he recognized you know, my talent, and I had, a, I had done what I had typically been doing for all, of, all those years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me a scholarship for that, yeah, that after the spring, spring camp. And um, I got a chance to finally start my fifth year in school. And it wasn't my plan. I had planned on, you know, going to grad school and doing that, going that route. 
But um, I got a chance to finally play that, that, that last year, that fifth year, and I led the team in tackles. I was all-conference, all-ACC, ended up becoming um, defensive MVP, and I was a, you know, awarded the Student Athlete of the Year, Tar Heel Athlete of the Year at UNC. So it was a pretty amazing turnaround in such a short period of time. No, really, a short period of time. I mean, as a 17-, 18-year-old kid, nobody in America wants you to come play any sport at all for them. A few years later, you're the – you're all ACC scholarship uh, defensive player of the year for the North Carolina Tar Heels in the ACC. That's amazing. It is. It really is. When I really reflect back on it sometimes, it wows me because I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, this is a major opportunity that the Lord has blessed me with. And um, I didn't see it coming, but I'm definitely thankful that I had to go through the years of, you know, just grinding and just being patient. You know, a lot of times when I speak to student athletes, guys who are not playing as early as they want to, I always encourage them and remind them that delay is not denial. It doesn't mean that your opportunity won't come. It's just whether or not you have the patience to wait it out and continue to endure and keep working despite not having met your expectations just yet. So, and that's what my story, my story, you know, is really about perseverance. You know, it's about patience. It's about um, just hard work. It's about believing in your goals. You know, it's about knowing who you are and being confident in who you are and just never giving up. You know, that's a big part of you know, who I am now. That is awesome. Uh, David Thornton is our guest, linebacker, 10 years in the NFL with the Colts and the Titans. And I know it's going to be hard to narrow this question down to one answer, but maybe some of your highlights from your playing days. Let's talk football. Have some fun. What were some of your, uh, I guess, highlights from those 10 years in the league? Well, you know, just, you know, going through the draft process, you know, that was exciting for me because I, I, it wasn't in my expectation. But to have an opportunity to go to the combine, you know, the Colts drafted me in the fourth round. And um, to come under such a great system, um, the leadership of Tony Dungy for four years. I tell people all the time, anything you do for four years, that's a degree. Yeah. So I got my degree from Dungy, <laughs> so <laughs> to speak. Great. So I learned a lot from just being a, a, a player under his system, um, just watching him as a player. He was a great mentor, a great leader. Um, of course, everyone knows about his faith and his character. And I can attest that it's legit. You know, it's, he is who he says he is. And I, I'm just thankful that I had a chance to just to be under him for four years and um, go to Tennessee. And I was five years there with Coach Fisher, who's another solid leader, wonderful coach. And, you know, I had a lot of great games, um, won some awards, and all those things are wonderful. But to me, the most valuable thing I took away from my playing career, you know, is probably the relationships I built with the people along the way. You know, it wasn't the money. You know, it wasn't the big wins. You know, some people measure success by, you know, how much money did you walk away from? And, and of course, provision. You know, my no things are, are benefits that come along with it, and I'm thankful for those things. But uh, the most valuable thing for me was the fact that I had someone that I can call when I needed to. I have brothers that I can lean on to this day, even though I'm not playing, mm-hmm. that, um, that I can be, be a source for me when I need them. You know, the relationships, you know, that, you pulled away, that I pulled away from my experience is by far the most valuable thing. Tony Dungy is, uh, you, you mentioned his character, and yeah, everybody does know about that. And do you still have a chance to, uh, I guess, network with him, talk with him, go to church with him, talk about your faith with him? I mean, is, I got to think he's so busy. He's doing that, the NBC football night in America. His all-pro dad's charity is one of the best successful charities in America. I mean, does he still have time to, to reach out and talk to people from his past? It's unbelievable. You know, as busy as his schedule is, you know, as, as much time he spends, you know, traveling and, you know, touring and speaking and, you know, as 
as much of a, you know, he's all over the map, essentially. He still takes the time to answer the phone if you call him, if he has that type of relationship with you. And that says a lot about him, you know, that he's, I mean, he's, I'm not surprised that he's that way. Mm -hmm. You know, anyone who's in his circle, anyone that he's developed that type of relationship with, you have a friend in him that you can count on for life, you know. And I, I don't talk to him all the time, but without any hesitation, I know if I reach out to him and call him, he's going to answer the phone or call me back in a short period of time. And that's wonderful. We're speaking with David Thornton, who played 10 years in the NFL uh, as a linebacker. And now uh, you still work for the NFL in the player development. You're teaching and educating the younger players of today what you know. It is. It's, a, it's the position that I'm really, really loving. It makes me excited to know that I have an opportunity to come in and serve the team and serve the, the staff and serve the guys in ways that will help help them transition to the game smoothly and successfully and prepare them to exit the game successfully. We all know that football is a very violent sport, and at some point it's going to fleet away. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a lot of things you have to do while you're playing to prepare for that time. And um, it's, it's a position where I can just really you know, embrace. You know, I lived through player engagement. I served in a lot of ways and got involved with a lot of programs, and it's really a great opportunity for me to just share my experiences from the guys and just really help them throughout the whole process. I'm glad I know you. I'm glad uh, you've been on the show. David Thornton uh, is our guest, and we want to wrap up and let our listeners how they can follow you on Twitter. What's your uh, Twitter name? <laughs> my Twitter name is DT underscore 50. DT underscore 50. At DT underscore 50, because uh, you don't look 50 years old to me. <laughs> That's my old plan, Dave. <laughs> you know, Jersey, I'm, I'm not an old man. You know, I'm just Because f- football speeds up the, the, the pace, though. Trust I'm, me. You look like you could play right now. You know, in fact, a Twitter secret, if you ever see anybody's Twitter handle and there's a number in it, that's they're probably a professional athlete or a former athlete because that was their number when they played. Absolutely. Typically, guys like the signature their name with this with their number behind it especially on things like uh like twitter and those sources all right thank you so much david absolutely thank you for having me on adam The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.